Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Prison. It's not the best word of the day but I had to cover it. Nothing personal. Word of the day is prison. I say prison, not jail. Two different things. Uh, NBA player Chandler Parsons basically got run over by a drunk driver, and his career could be over. Now he's made his money, but no career deserves to be ended by a drunk driver in the middle of the day or any time of day or night. Prison is where that man should go. If you're having drinks, it's called Uber, it's called the car service, it's called your ambulatory. Use your legs. Don't get behind the wheel of a car. Chandler Parsons has a cause of action. It's loss of wages. The question is, what will happen with him going forward? That's the money side. The personal side is, what's going to happen to the man who did it? And I hope he gets charged, and then I hope he goes to prison. And in prison, you know what they say about drunk drivers. Yes, they do. There's a lot of drinking and a lot of driving. So let's look to see if that happens to Charlie Chandler Parsons' guy. I hope you get better, Chandler. Well, we're going to keep going now. As you're very well aware, it's the Hall of Fame announcement day. This is the day that we would always look for. Every time you have, when you're in the game, and you have any players on the ballot that you have any relationship with, where there's anything going on, whether it's someone who could go in with your cap, or it's someone who used to play for you, this is a day as president of a team that I was always super excited about. Because the thing about the Hall of Fame is that 99 out of 100 times, the players who get in are obviously incredibly super excited. And then the players who don't get in are fully understanding. And they're okay with it. They don't do what Drew Pearson did the other day when he didn't get into the NFL Hall of Fame. I know you all saw the video. If you didn't, you should check it out. He had a temper tantrum, basically. Now I know that everybody on the second team, all decade, all are in the Hall of Fame. All of the extenuating, mitigating circumstances for Drew Pearson losing his mind. But on the baseball side, you very rarely have temper tantrums. Now we're set up today maybe to have a quarter of a tantrum, but I don't think we will. We've heard it from Larry Walker, who has taken to social media to say, I want to thank everybody very much. I appreciate the fact I don't think I'll be getting into the Hall of Fame. I think that may be a pre-tantrum, non-tantrum. Taking the high road, recognizing what an honor it is just to be on the ballot. And you only get to be on the ballot 10 years. This is very confusing to people. So let me give you the rules of the Hall of Fame and, and why people get so surprised and so interested in will people get voted in who did steroids or gambled who don't have good personalities, who may be racist, sexist, misogynistic. What is it about players? Should it just be on the field? Well, guess what? I'm not the one deciding. And if you're listening to this podcast and I appreciate it or watching on CBS Sports HQ or YouTube, the likelihood is you don't have a ballot either. A ballot goes to a member, a good standing member of the Baseball Writers Association of America, who's been in good standing for 10 years over 10 years. So then you get honored and you get a ballot, you fill out a ballot. On the ballot 
are many names. The names do not just appear on a ballot. I had a conversation with several players who appeared on a ballot. That's an honor in and of itself. There's a whole separate committee within the Baseball Writers Association of America. It's called the Steering Committee. They get together and they nominate players to just appear on the ballot that get sent to the entire congregation of members of BBWAA who have votes. What we see now that we never had when I got into baseball many years ago is that people are keeping track of votes. People are releasing their votes publicly. Never used to know who voted for whom, how it happened, why certain players weren't getting votes. But anyway, you get 10 years after you're an good standing writer, good writer. But 10 years is another number. That's the number of years you get to be on the ballot if you are a player who's on the ballot. Because once you're on the ballot, you stay on the ballot for 10 years unless one of two things happens. One, you get over 75%. You keep seeing 75% as the number. That means that your name is checked off on the ballot of 75% of the ballots that are submitted. The second reason that you get taken off the ballot. The first reason is if you get 75%, you're off the ballot the next year because you're in the Hall of Fame on a plaque. The second reason you're off the ballot is if you get fewer than 5% of the ballots to check your name. And that's a lot of people on the ballot where the honor is simply that you appear. They end up actually not even getting one vote except to have been on the ballot. That almost counts as their Hall of Fame. I've had the conversation with many a player. There's some players this year. I'm going to call Josh Beckett at the end of tonight, and I'm going to congratulate him. I do not think that he will appear on the ballot We'll see what we'll have to look way deep down the ballot. But the honor is that he did. Juan Pierre, I had the same conversation with him. He appeared on the ballot one time. You have to be out of the game five years as a player to even be eligible to be put on the ballot. It was only five years ago that Derek Jeter was in Major League Baseball. Seems like forever ago, doesn't it? But he's now been out of the game five years. He's now eligible to be in the class of 2020. And he certainly will be. But people talk about why do they vote for certain players, why don't they vote, and there's all sorts of writings. Writers now feel they need to explain themselves. The best part about Hall of Fame voting is when they didn't need to explain themselves. They simply filled out a ballot, they did it anonymously, and this way you could never pin someone down, or there wasn't shaming. You want to know why Derek Jeter, likely unanimous, Mariano Rivera, last year unanimous, that means every ballot had Mariano Rivera's name on it last year. Do you think if one writer did not put his name down, he would now be called out on Twitter? He would be shamed. It would be half shaming. You've heard of all sorts of shaming. This would be half shaming. Hall of Fame shaming because you don't put down a name. I don't like that. I want it to be anonymous. Why? Let's take a look at someone like Roger Clemens or like Larry Walker. And those two, you're saying, well, one steroids, one played in Colorado. Kurt Schilling, you're saying, one steroids, one played in Colorado, and one is not a good guy. Which one do I weigh more when I'm making my vote? What do I think about when I decide who's gonna be a Hall of Famer? That's a personal decision that I earned by being a 10-year member of the Baseball Writers Association of America. You don't have the right to hear what I had to say. I may, as a writer, have had a problem with Kurt Schilling as a player, and I will not give him my vote 
no matter what. I do not want his bust to be in Cooperstown. That's up to me. I may have a view that Roger Clemens is the greatest pitcher in the history of baseball, but because of steroids or the possibility that he used steroids, I do not want him in the Hall of Fame. Now we have to explain ourselves to people. So I'll explain myself to you. I will tell you that steroids, Roger Clemens, yeah. Barry Bonds, yeah. Manny Ramirez, of course. People differentiate Manny Ramirez because they say he tested positive for PEDs, whereas Clemens and Bonds didn't. And my message to all of them is, I don't care whether you tested positive. It means that Ramirez just wasn't as smart as Roger and Barry were in masking it. Didn't take the right masking agents. Therefore, my view is they all are as guilty of taking performance-enhancing drugs, but that doesn't change that they are Hall of Fame players. But we're making a statement when we don't have them in the Hall of Fame. We are making a statement of what we think about steroids, the way baseball made a statement of what they think about gambling when Pete Rose wasn't in the Hall of Fame. Ah, you're paying attention. Baseball cannot keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. And you're right. Let's go to the videotape, Warner Wolf. The fact is that in order to be eligible to be on a ballot by the Baseball Writers Association of America, you have to be on the eligible list in Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball, by having Pete Rose on the ineligible list, that means he is then ineligible for the Hall of Fame, which is why Pete Rose has always wanted to be reinstated. He didn't want to manage again. He was okay being suspended for 10 years after reinstatement. He could be suspended 20 years, 20 times A.J. Hinch. No problem, but don't put me on the ineligible list because then he cannot even be considered. How can we have a Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York without Pete Rose? How do we not tell the story of one of the greatest, if not the greatest hitter of all time, certainly in the number of hits, Charlie Hustle? I think his nickname was Charlie Hustle. Remember when he knocked in during an All-Star game, he knocked over a catcher? P. Rose is someone whose story I want to hear about, I want to tell. I want my kids when they go to Cooperstown to know about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Pete Rose. The Hall of Fame is the story of baseball. Let's tell it. Cannot wait. It's going to be a lot more to talk about. We're going to do an entire bonus pod when the Hall of Fame announcement is made. Make sure you download it. I know you're ready. Subscribe. If not, tell your friends. Watch it on YouTube. Whatever you're going to do, rate it, review it. Follow on Twitter also. I'm getting it all in right now. David P. Sampson, thank you for doing that. When the Hall of Fame announcement comes, there will be comment. So we have a uh, segment that we do every day, almost every day. It's called So You Want to Talk to Sampson. You know I'm a big movie guy. I love movies. I review a movie every day, watch a movie every day, or part of a TV show, binging. So... So You Want to Talk to Samson comes from a movie, and it's a segment where you can Twitter me, DM me at David P. Samson. Give me something to talk about. Well, I got one yesterday. I'm going right to it today because I was covering it no matter what, and you want to talk about it, so do I. What's going on in Colorado? And I don't mean Larry Walker. Nolan Arenado. I'm having flashbacks. I'm having nightmares about the contract negotiation that I did with Giancarlo Stanton when he got 13 years, $325 million. His agent was Joel Wolf. 
phenomenal agent. You know my personal relationship with Giancarlo and how much I enjoy him. But negotiating that contract and the opt-out provision and all that came with that negotiation, it was hard. And you had to take emotion out of it. We had to make it so Giancarlo wouldn't say no. We felt that was necessary for our franchise. Well, Nolan Arenado is another franchise player for the Colorado Rockies. Maybe the best third baseman in baseball. Maybe the best I've ever seen. Same agent, Joel Wolf. He can defend. He can hit. There's no Colorado factor with Nolan Arenado. So last offseason, he signed a contract, eight years, $260 million. That is $32.5 million for those of you who don't have enough toes per year for eight years. He is going to be the face of the franchise. They are making their franchise about Arenado. We are one year later. There are trade rumors nonstop that I'm forced to address on Twitter, on CBS Sports HQ. Where's Arenado going? Is it going to be the Cardinals, the Rangers, maybe the Yankees? No one talks about the fact that he had a no-trade clause, which means he gets to control where he goes, just like Giancarlo Stanton. The only one I ever gave on a multi-year deal in my career was to Giancarlo Stanton. Sorry, Derek, but I know you're not thinking about that today. Nolan Arenado got the exact same clause. When a no, you have a no-trade clause, you control your destiny as a player. But the better question is, why were they shopping Nolan Arenado? What was going on behind the scenes? Is it possible the Rockies had buyer's remorse immediately? Did they realize that going 71 and 91, even with an all-star season by Arenado, did they then realize that if you don't have the pitching, that it doesn't matter who your position players are, you're not going to make it? Do you think the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are paying attention with all the hitting they have without pitching? The Minnesota Twins, are they paying attention? All the hitting they have without pitching. It happened in Colorado. Their pitching went down in 2019. They don't make the playoffs. They don't bring in players at the deadline. And Nolan Arenado, a great guy, very high character guy, to me just like Giancarlo, but Nolan Arenado lost his mind. He was upset last year at the deadline when the Rockies didn't trade for help. He was upset because when he negotiated the contract, I guarantee you the conversation went like this with the owner, Dick and Charlie Monfort. GM Jeff Brinich. They looked at him and said, Nolan, we're going to give you 260 but I promise you when you're making $32.5 million, we will have enough money to build around you. They were crossing their fingers and their toes because when you pay one player $32.5 million, you better have a payroll of about a buck eighty if you think you're going to win because in baseball, you cannot have such a high percentage of your payroll going to one player. So the Rockies felt no reason to add it last year's deadline, correctly so. Then this offseason, the Rockies, along with the Cubs, are the only two teams who have not added a free agent. Nolan Arenado said, that's not enough. You are not doing enough. And then there were rumors of trades. And then I told you on the queue, it doesn't matter. He's not going to be traded to any of these teams. He will be a Rocky, and if not a Rocky, he may be engineering a trade to the Yankees. Well, wouldn't you know it, Jeff Brittich, GM, he's had troubles with his players in the past. Just yesterday, comes out with a real butte. With the season coming up and spring training on the horizon, he said, we're going to start focusing on that. Jeff, you're fired. You should be focusing on the start of spring training from the minute the last out was made of the previous season. 
Don't say you're going to start focusing on that on January 20th. We've listened to teams regarding Nolan, and really nothing's come of it. Not even worth saying. Every team listens to to talk on every player. We would get calls on Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, Jose Fernandez, anybody. We talk about anybody. That doesn't mean we were going to trade him. It means it's not likely at all. But hey, if you're going to knock our socks off and make a trade that's really bad for you, we're right there. We're okay with it because we're about the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. Then the GM continues of the Rockies. We're going to move forward as we expected with Nolan in the purple and black as our third baseman so we can put this to bed and collectively look forward to the upcoming season. Basically, he was going public saying, we're actually not going to be trading Nolan Arenado. Here's a rule that we gave our GMs. You're not allowed to talk like that. What happens if a team calls you today and volunteers to give you whatever you want? You name it. You want Miguel Andahar? Fine. You want Luis Severino? Great. You want Glebar Torres? No problem. We'll trade those three for Nolan Arenado. Guess what happens? Yeah, you guessed it. Nolan Arenado gets traded, even though he was just told that he's not going to be traded. Well, Nolan Arenado did something that players should never do, and that's when things went a little cray-cray yesterday. Nolan Arenado went public against his own front office. There's a lot of disrespect from people there that I don't want to be a part of, and you can quote that. You ask what I thought of Jeff's quotes, that's the GM, Jeff British, and I say I don't care what people say around there. There's a lot of disrespect. But then when asked what the details were, he said, I won't get into details. Joel Wolf, I texted you. I wanted to hear back from you, but I didn't. I wanted to understand why you would have your player say what he said and not go all the way. Why would you only go halfway up the disrespect chain? When you know that you've got the character player who you have, why wouldn't you have him go all the way or nowhere at all? Don't just say, hey, listen, we are going to talk about Jeff British, but we're not going to get into details of why we don't like him. We're going to say we don't respect him. No, I want to know the reason. Or just say, hey, I'm glad I wasn't traded. That's why I have a no trade clause, because I want to be a Rocky. Those are the two ways to go is if you're Nolan Arenado. You don't go out and go scorched earth like this. It's not right. It's not fair. So what are the Rockies doing now? I can tell you exactly what they're doing now. They are meeting, and they are deciding what they're going to do. Two possibilities. One, you bring Arenado in, and you explain to him that that will not be tolerated, regardless of whether or not you're the face of the franchise. We are not allowing you to talk that way. You will meet the media, and we are going to have a complete kumbaya. We're going to shake hands and everything's going to be fine because you just created a distraction that's going to cost the team that you think isn't good enough to win anyway. That's option one. Option two, you get together as the Rockies front office and you say, you know what? We're going to do what the Marlins did. Not the Samson Marlins, the Jeter Marlins. If Giancarlo Stanton wants to trade, we're going to trade him. If Christian Yelich wants to trade, we're going to trade him. I wouldn't act that way, but they did. Giancarlo Stanton got himself traded. Oh, guess what? He got himself traded to the Yankees. 
because when the Marlins negotiated a deal to the Cardinals and to the Giants, Stanton said, I don't want to go to St. Louis. I don't want to go to San Francisco. And he had every right to do it because of my mistake. He had the right to take his no-trade clause and use it as a shield and a sword. He stood there with full power, Giancarlo Stanton, that Adonis, and said, I will only go to the Yankees. Maybe Nolan Arenado said the same thing. Maybe he said, there's only one team I'm going to go to. When Jeff Bridge couldn't get a trade done with that team, he said, forget it. We're not trading you. So now Arenado says, I'm going to move my chess piece, and I'm going to say, you're not going to trade me to the team I want to go to. I'm going to make your life miserable. This is a mess for Colorado. This is a mess for the organization, and they're going to get more bad news when it comes to Hall of Fame. It's just disappointing to me. The amount that a player will go public against his team Keep that stuff in the clubhouse, Nolan. You know better than that. JT Realamuto, another high-character guy. He's a catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. He was on the Marlins, traded by not the Samson Marlins, the Jeter Marlins. Traded to Philly. Uh, good trade for both teams. JT is a phenomenal catcher, maybe the best in the game. The uh, Marlins got two good players, maybe their number one starter coming up, Sexto Sanchez. Sixto, excuse me, Coca. Sorry. JT, uh, JT Realmuto is going to arbitration. We talked about, remember, a few pods ago, a few episodes ago, we talked about the fact that the Phillies were trying to sign him to a long-term deal. They couldn't come to an agreement. Well, JT Realmuto did something that makes me happy. He said, first of all, I, I, I got to stop the show. So the way my pod works, and this show, nothing personal, I just want to give you insight into what, what I have in front of me. So I have a notebook, and in the notebook, I keep every episode, and I'm showing it to the camera now if you're watching, and if not, and listening. It's a notebook that uh, goes through a time. So I know the topics I'm going to talk about in the approximate number of minutes I want to speak about that topic. So I keep that with me as sort of a frame of reference, but I don't necessarily follow it to the T. If I'm starting to get boring, I have someone in my ear who says, move on, move on. Then I have an electronic device where I have the run of show, and I work on this every single night and every single day, and so does the producer, Matthew Coca. We work on sort of details what the run of show is, but still not what I'm going to say, but a little more detailed than my handwritten notes in my notepad. Then during the show, he has access to it, so he writes things down to me that he wants me to see if there's breaking news or if something's happening. Can you imagine what he is doing Coca, are you aware that I had JT, that we drafted him when I was the president of the team, that we had JT on our team? I just want to know whether or not you know, because he knows I mispronounce names all the time. So while I'm talking, he's putting in bold. I want to get that right here on camera. His name is Real Muto. It has it right there in, in sort of that's bold. Real Muto. Hey, Coca, that's not his name. I... I really appreciate you saying this. And now he's yelling in my ear. He's yelling in my ear that I'm giving you the wrong name. Guess what? You're boring me and the audience. JT Realmuto. Okay? I'm adding the extra A. He had a quote, and we're going to talk about it. Quote, I know it's just business. It's not me against the Phillies. I'm trying to set a precedent for the future catchers of our game. He said it's just business. It's nothing personal. He's the second person out of Philly to use those exact words. We got to get our general counsel here at CBS. I think we got to start copywriting that. 
It's not, it's just, it's not business. It's business. It's nothing personal. So what does it mean when JT talks about this, JT Romuto? <laughs> Here's what he's saying. He has no downside in going to the room with Philadelphia. He's either going to be rich or richer. The question is, will he be compared to Buster Posey, and where will he fall with Buster Posey's contract? Because if it's possible that he can get himself more money, what he's saying is that all catchers that come after me will be able to use this new number in arbitration as sort of a, a bellwether, as, as, a, as a comp, we call it, as precedent. He's got it exactly right. MLB and the Players Union are fighting over precedent. They're fighting over comparables. They're always trying to make sure that future cases will not have the ability to look on prior cases in order to have salaries creeping up. That's from MLB's standpoint. From the union standpoint, they want precedent so the salaries continue to creep up. It's fairly obvious. When we're putting together a case as a team, we always look at our own precedent where we won a case and salaries were kept down, and the union looks at examples where they won a case and salaries are, are creeping up. Then the arbitrators have to decide what they're going to do. Guess what? This is the real legal world. Anytime what the Supreme Court does in the United States, the third branch of government that we have, one of which is live right now doing its job, one of which is the Supreme Court, what the Supreme Court does is they're in the precedent business. They look at decisions made by lower courts and they decide whether they want to leave them in place and have them as precedent or if they want to make a new precedent or if they want to agree and make it an even stronger precedent. JT Realmuto is very smart for doing what he's doing and that's a problem with the Phillies and what they filed at is they're in danger of moving the entire catcher's market up not actually as important as the point here, which is that the arbitration system's broken. We've talked about it with the new collective bargaining agreement coming. We've got to find a way. We have to find a way, not that it's player against team. That never bothered me. It never bothered the players. Not that the players are getting paid all that money in year four versus what they get paid the first three years. I'm good with that too. That's part of the game. The absolute waste of resources that we spend for arbitration, in time, in mental anguish, in money, that waste should be put to a better use. I'd rather give it to charity. I'm fine with JT discussing his arbitration case. I'm fine with him actually coming clean and being honest. I can't break down his quote, because guess what? He told you the truth. Oi. I got a depressing thing for you today. It's, uh, this really struck me. And it's, uh, this is an emotional one. It's not a personal one. I don't know him, but I know of it. Uh, Delonte West. Delonte West is a former National Basketball Association player. Uh, good player. Fine. Made, let, I think uh, the Inter-Google has him at $18 million in career earnings. Not nothing. Videos surfaced on the internet yesterday of Delonte West not just getting beaten up, and I mean getting beaten up in the middle of the street while onlookers were filming, but he also was shown with an interaction with the police where there's something wrong with him. This was not normal. This wasn't anger. This was not normal delusion that we all have. 
self-indulgent thoughts and views, self-righteousness, self-involved. No, this was a sickness. Delonte West, a former NBA player who when you look at him on the court and look at him on the pavement, you can't believe it's the same person. You know very well that this is a father and a husband who is sick, sick to the point that he could not be at home anymore. He looked homeless. He looked demented, deranged, destitute. He looked to the point where you had his former players and coaches pleading on Twitter that he get help. You had sports stars from other leagues saying, we want to help Delonte West get help. And it brought up a subject that's a little close to my heart, which is, well, shouldn't the NBA be responsible for getting him help? What about the NBA Players Association? Shouldn't they be the ones? Why in our society do we have to blame? Why do we have to pin when there's a problem, when there's a man who commits a crime or a man who's homeless and destitute and sick? Why do we have to put blame on it? How about a solution? How about just standing up and getting him help instead of saying who should be responsible? Who made him that way? How did it happen? Who's going to fix it? I got news for you. Think about the company where you work. Let's talk about CBS where I work right now. 20 years from now, I've got a mental illness. For those of you who know me, you're going to say 20 seconds. And I kid you not. And I'm not sure you're wrong. And I'm not making light of it. I've talked about anxiety. I've talked about all sorts of issues. OCD. Laundry list. 20 years from now, I'm Delonte West on the pavement, side of the street. Is CBS responsible to get me help? I've been gone from them for 20 years. A former player who is no longer active or a part of the organization or the sport or the union. Why is it the union or the sport's responsibility? What about where you work? You're telling me that if 20 years from now, you're done working, long gone, you're no longer working at the company, and you've got a problem, you think it's that company's responsibility? Ah, I know what you're gonna say because you say it all the time. I hear it in my, in my thoughts and dreams. What about the NFL? They feel responsible for their former players. They're talking about concussion. You're talking about CTE. Let me explain. If Delonte West became mentally incapacitated because of something that took place on the hardwood, I've got a different view. If I had a problem going forward because of all the asbestos here in Fort Lauderdale and that made me sick, you're right. That's CBS's problem. But otherwise, it's not. So for Delonte West, he does need help, and I want him to get help. The state should be giving him help. He needs to be committed to an institution. He needs to be medicated, and he needs therapy in order to figure out whatever demons caused what happened to happen. And I hope that he gets cured. But we don't need to say that's the responsibility of the players' union or the former teams. It's not necessary. Well, history was made. I watched a movie that is, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's called Honeyland. Honeyland is about, people would say, it's just about bees. No, that's not it. Then they would say, hey, isn't that that movie from Macedonia where there's no English? Ah, now we're talking. Hey, is uh, Peter Fonda in that movie? No, no, that's a different one. Different B movie. He got nominated for that one. This is nominated first movie in the history of the Academy Awards. 
not only nominated for Best Foreign Film, where it's going to lose, it's now called Best International Picture, it's going to lose to Parasite, but it's nominated. It's also nominated for Best Documentary. This is a documentary about a woman who tends to bees, collects honey, takes care of her mother, lives in a world that you cannot possibly comprehend in Macedonia, and then all of a sudden her world gets shattered by this family of vagabonds. Mother, father, a gaggle of children. I don't know who to feel more sorry for in this movie. I can't tell you the level of despondency I felt watching it because I couldn't, I couldn't even comprehend their life and what it would be like for kids in this movie, the kids who are in the movie. They don't know the difference. They're not unhappy. I do know the difference. It made me unhappy. It's another, yes, no English, all subtitles. Well worth your time. Hour 39, 99 minutes. That's it. It's an hour 39. Why was it nominated? Because the character of the beekeeper, the main woman who you're seeing above me, or if you're listening, she is the main character, except she's real. The cameras in this case, you know how documentaries can be with interviews? There's no interviews in this documentary. They were just flies on the wall. The cinematography is so good. The camera work is so unobtrusive that you feel as though you are just in the dwelling. You're in the beehives. You're in the conversation. You're not talking. You're like a silent member of this part of Macedonia, in the mountains, in the city. Well worth your time and I hope you take advantage of it. It's called Honeyland. Well, we got some Super Bowl stuff to talk about. How could we not? I got to talk Super Bowl at least. I think it's in my contract that the two weeks in between the championship game and the Super Bowl, that I will talk Super Bowl every single day. Well, I'm not going to talk about matchups. I really don't want to talk about that. But I do want to talk about what's going on. I, I want to give you some two behind-the-scenes things that make me smile. As you're watching your shows, you're going to get Super Bowled out. We talked about it yesterday. As you're listening to your podcasts, if they're sports-related, you're going to hear all about it. I know that, and that's fine. How do those stories happen? How are storylines created during the two-week lead-up to the Super Bowl? Well, guess what? They're actually planned. Do you know that there are people who are hired by leagues as outside consultants, and their job is to work on stories leading up to jewel events, like the Super Bowl or the World Series or the NBA Finals. Their job is to find and create viral moments, which, as I told you, seems to be an oxymoron. I don't know how you create a viral moment. All of us have meetings. If you're involved in social media, if you work anywhere, in your classes or if you if you have a job that talks about social media, your boss has probably said to you on more than one occasion, hey, can you create a viral moment? And you say yes and then you go back to your cubicle and make fun of your boss? Well, that goes on in the world of sports too. So instead of telling you that I can create a viral moment, what these companies do is they look at the matchup, they look at the surroundings of the game, and they decide which avenue they're going to go down, who they're going to focus on, which storylines. And I think the storylines for this Super Bowl are simple. Number one, you've got the Niners versus the Patriots. You've got one of the most successful franchises in history trying to become tied as the most successful in history, the Patriots, and you've got 
the Steelers, who already have won six Super Bowls. The Niners are trying to win number six. And they're playing the Chiefs, who played in Super Bowl one. So you have a chance to really talk about either way history's being made. There's some years that in, in the Super Bowl you have to search for a player to be making history, or you have to search after the fact for a stat that was historic. In this case, we get to say that no matter who wins the Super Bowl 54 in the 100th season, it will be history. So I want to focus on sort of that rivalry, because it's not a normal rivalry, rivalry Niners-Chiefs. Then who are their coaches? Another perfect storyline. Andy Reid has big personality. Andy Reid stood up when I am in charge of finding moments and storylines. I'm looking at press conferences. I'm looking at quotes. Andy Reid, after winning the AFC Championship, said, we're going to Miami and I better go on a diet. We all know that Andy Reid could work in a salad from time to time. I'm not being mean. I'm not fat shaming him. I'm just saying a salad once in a while wouldn't kill him. And then he goes public saying, self-deprecating, hey, I need to work on a diet. I'm going to be in Miami. I'm going to be in my skivvies. I'm going to South Beach. Of course he's not. I'm going in the ocean. He's definitely not doing that. I'm going to go dancing at live. Not at all. I'm going to wear shorts during workouts. Not a chance. So I'm not sure what he was talking about. But in any case, it made me laugh. And then he followed it up by saying that when they clinched the game post-press conference, he celebrated. I can think of ways that I would celebrate. I know what I like to do after we won the pennant, right? There was some definite celebrating. Here's what I didn't do in Chicago in 2003. I did a lot of stuff. I didn't eat a cheeseburger. Andy Reid said after we won, I ate a cheeseburger. That's a great story. Kyle Shanahan. Up 28-3 to as the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons against the New England Patriots. Blows the game. That's not a real story, but we're going to make it a story. We're going to say it was Kyle Shanahan's fault. It's his moment of redemption. It's his chance for his first ring. It's Andy Reid's as well. Good story. Leaving the best for last. Pat Mahomes. I'm going to ride Pat Mahomes until he's worn out. I'm going to get him to do commercials. I'm going to get him to do live read-ins, live reads of, of, of copy, meaning I'm going to have a script in front of him so we can record things. All the videos that you're going to see on camera, on all the networks as they're sort of pumping up the Super Bowl, they're all going to have Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't need a viral moment. He is the viral moment. We don't have to look for Patrick Mahomes. We have him. So we are going to football, to Roger Goodell and the other people who work at the NFL. We are giving you your storylines, and then we are going to lead you to water. We're not just going to make you drink. We're going to lead you there, and we're going to help you make sure that this Super Bowl has great developed stories. I'm going to develop my own story today. I'm doing prop bets. So here's what I want to do. Every day from now until the Super Bowl, I'm going to give you a prop bet to bet because you know you're betting the Super Bowl, even if you say you don't. You're going to do a box pool or something. You know you have an opportunity to pretend that it's only a friend of yours who has an app on their phone, not you. I'm good with that. But every day, I'm giving you a prop bet. We'll keep track of them. It's not my pick of the day. It's my special Super Bowl edition of pick of the day. And we'll do a prop a day. And it's not whether Demi Lovato will be wearing a skirt. I don't care. I like today's. First team to score wins the game. Will the first team to score in the Super Bowl win the game? 
If you say yes, you have to give $2 for every dollar you bet. If you say no, you get paid a dollar and a half for every dollar you bet. This is a perfect prop bet to say no. Why? The Chiefs and the Niners have both been known to go down early, and they have the ability to come back. The Chiefs are a great team. If the Niners score first, the Chiefs could still easily win. If the Chiefs score first, the Niners could still easily win. That's my first prop bet. The first team to score wins the game. Take the no. Take the dollar fifty. All right, pick of the day. Who's paying attention to yesterday? Anyone in this studio? I'm calling out somebody. I made a bet yesterday. My bet was that the Celtics would cover the Lakers. And Ruben, our Laker friend, he of the heart of Lakers, all Laker, all sneaker all the time. We call him the Sneaker King because he literally lives in a hovel, but he's got 200 pairs of brand new sneakers. Rent, food, forget it. He wants sneakers. Guess what Ruben doesn't have? He doesn't have my dollar. Come here, Ruben. I'm bringing him on set. He's walking onto the set right now. He's so despondent. He's hanging his head. Get on here. Get on camera. I'm sh- Oh, look at this. That's Ruben. That's actually his haircut. Don't cover Wilson. You're covering Wilson. All right, get back in here. That's a real dollar. He actually told me he had to steal it from his girlfriend. It's a dollar. By the way, is this still an actual dollar? Oh, it is. Is it your last one? It's the last one. It's well, your last one? Take- he already had his yeah, last yeah, yeah. one? Stop betting with your heart, Ruben. Hey, do you want a chance to win it back? Sure. Do you want to take... I'm taking... Duke tonight, 17 and a half over Miami. That, that's a college game. Mm-hmm. Duke, 17 and a half. Do you want it? No. Okay, I'm, I'm keeping the dollar. More money for my girlfriend. <laughs> Thank you, Ruben. See, see, it's funny when you bet. When you bet with people, you expect them to pay. I expect Ruben to pay. Like dead amongst people, right? That's When you bet, you have to pay. I mean, sorry, Ruben. I know that he may be thinking he wasn't going to have to pay and wouldn't have to steal a dollar from his girlfriend's purse. By the way, I hope she's downloading and subscribing. I hope she's hearing this and looking at Ruben. He took your dollar. He's never getting it back. My pick of the day is Duke. I'm going college basketball today. Um, Coach K and Duke, they've lost a few games. People are getting a little uh, worried about Duke. This is when Duke thrives to me. It's when Coach K walks into the clubhouse locker room and he says, hey, guys, uh, we're not being talked about positively. We're not being talked about as favorites to win the championship. You guys aren't being talked about as one-and-done freshmen. We're talking more about Vernon. We're talking more about your dad when he was with the Dolphins than about you. This is when they go out and pummel, and pummel Miami they will. 17 and a half. I'm going for another win, going for 500 in 2020. Okay, we have wait to see to finish the show. Sort of an interesting wait to see today. Wait to see is when I tell you something, and if I'm right, I'm right, and I'll tell you. And if I'm wrong, I'll be wrong, and I'll tell you. My wait to see is that Derek Jeter will be unanimously voted into the Hall of Fame with 100% of the vote, except my view is he shouldn't be. And let me explain. It has nothing to do with why you think I think he shouldn't be, because I know what you're thinking. You're saying you've got an ax to grind with Derek Jeter, You feel like that you've been slighted by Derek Jeter. You've got loads of hatred. No, that's Derek Jeter, the executive, the man. Not Derek Jeter, the player. Derek Jeter, the player, is a surefire Hall of Famer who I have great respect for. Just because you're a shortstop doesn't mean you can run a team. We know that. But boy, could he play short. But why do I not want him to be unanimous? 
because I was so upset last year when Mariano Rivera became the first unanimous player. Mariano Rivera became the first player in the history of Hall of Fame voting to get unanimously elected. Mariano Rivera, the Sandman, the greatest closer of all time, who was throwing you cutters pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch. Everybody knew what was coming. He still would get you out. Why am I bitter? Because he's not Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Ken Griffey, Hank Aaron. Those players aren't getting 100% of the ballot. Neither should Mariano Rivera. And if Mariano Rivera hadn't gotten it, then Derek Jeter wouldn't have gotten it. And the reason Derek Jeter's going to get it is that Mariano Rivera did get it. Because there's no way that Derek Jeter would be the first person ever to be in the unanimous selection to the Hall of Fame. Why would you choose now to start? Why was it chosen last year to start for Mariano Rivera? And the writers would say, because it was very sort of circumstantial. We just thought it was a tradition that didn't have its time anymore. That is the job of the Hall of Fame, to preserve tradition. It's why I said that steroids should be a part of it, gamblers should be a part of it. If you are a Hall of Fame player, you get in the Hall of Fame. Then we explain, we talk about it. Why aren't there any unanimous members of the Hall of Fame? We're going to talk it through. Instead, we made a random decision to let Mariano Rivera in, and that means this year we're going to say it's not random, he's deserving. Well, now we've opened up Pandora's box. Now it's going to be players left and right. Derek, I know for one thing, I know you always take it personally, but you know when I talk about this, you know it's business. God, with you for sure, it's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.